Hey guys, and welcome to season four of the Yes People podcast. I'm your host, Savia Rox, and in this season, we get to remember and reminisce back in time with some of our guests like... Hey, we are Entity. And you're listening to... The Us People podcast. With Savia Rox. Peace. My name is Oni. I'm a producer engineer from Queens, New York. Hi, my name is James Green. I'm a TV presenter, sports reporter and journalist. Hi, this is Joy Langley, and I'm the author of Navigating Stress. Hey, this is Travis Glossop. I am a creative radio your producer for KISS FM and you're listening to the Us People podcast with Savia Rocks. We highlight the strengths of our cultures talking about diversity and inclusion and speaking out loud and proud about who we are. It was never that good. I was I was determined. I had a love for the sport and that always fuels me. At 49, I was seven seven years post-divorce after 22 years and three kids of a marriage. And so I knew that I needed to figure out like what was happening for me and why was this so such a severe sort of uh, crack in my identity and how I showed up in the world. It's great. It's great. Because uh, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't really work that hard at uni. So it was good to leave uni and, and really like get on it, you know, really like, because I also as a person, I think I value, I value productivity. A lot of people live to work. I think I am one of the work to live guys, but because my work is amazing, that's all right with me. You know, so as a person, I, I go to bed happy when I've had a productive day. We've also saved the best till last by honouring another artist and showcasing their talent as our new theme song with none other than your host, Savia Rocks, featuring in their song. So guys, enjoy, stay creative and as always, please continue to be kind to one another. Let's go. My name is Abigail. And uh, I am uh, a mystery that keeps unfolding (laughs) and that I'm very curious about. An invitation to everyone to really find your way home. Find your way and question everything with joy and fun. And this is Us The People Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Yes People Podcast. I'm your host, Savio Rox, and today I am abundantly humbled to have Avakul here with me, who is the author of Who Is In Beyond Self Image, a poet and a martial arts artist, if I'm correct. <laughs> He's looking at me like, whoa. Well, yeah, I, I used to be, and now and I, have, I haven't been practicing for the last 15 years. I'm sure yes, if somebody to tried to test you, Avocos, you would definitely bring it out of you. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit wiser than, than getting stuck into, into a fight at this point, you know? No, that is true. I don't. Sometimes it's not about fighting. I believe there is an energy in us that can prevent us from being even or needing to fight the opponent well you know sometimes fighting is inevitable true because not because of certain circumstances but i one of the main thing that i've learned through about nearly 40 years of martial arts is that if i can't avoid any conflict without losing integrity without losing uh, my self-respect and the respect for the other person, Mm -hmm. that's the best way. I like that. A man of my heart, that makes total sense to me. (laughs) It's true, it makes complete sense to me. So Avakul, thank you so much for taking your time to come on the Ask People podcast. My first question for you is, could you tell us about your background of where you grew up, but also how that influenced you to be the person who you are today? Sure. So, uh, Sicilian, hey. born born in an island of uh, volcanoes, uh, mountains that drop in the ocean, one of the deepest uh, ocean in the Medi- I mean areas in the Mediterranean, and. Uh, uh, I feel that I carry in me all this energetic imprint 
Yeah, because I can, I can, I can, I can, I can be all these things, definitely. Uh, when I was 11, my, my, my father Sicilian, my mom from Venice. When I was 11, we moved to Venice. And I lived in Venice for about four years and I loved it because uh, a part of my soul was very melancholic at that time. I like that word. And Venice was the perfect place. It was so, uh, was just beautiful, you know, and also it's a labyrinth. So I would, uh, I would lose myself, you know, in the labyrinth and in the fog, in the canals. So I loved it. Then we moved to another city when, when I was 15, more close to the border with Slovenia that at that time was called Yugoslavia. Yes. Uh, and completely different culture. And uh, I lived there till I was 23. Okay. At 23, I left home and I went to live in Florence by myself. Another wonderful, magical place to be. And uh, again, I was there for six years. I finished my university. I studied economics. I, I didn't want to study economics. I wanted actually to be a painter. <laughs> economics painter. Okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah, because, you know, I, I was good at painting. I loved painting. But my father said, because I had to go away from where we were living before Florence, and he said, look, I don't think it's a good idea. So I said, okay, I'm going to stay and I study economics because you, that's what you want. Oh. But I was lucky. I was lucky enough that I started university when the student movements exploded in, in Europe and all over the world, 1968. So I never really studied economics. <laughs> I basically was occupying the university most of the time. You know, and <laughs> and telling the professors what I wanted to uh, work on, you know, and I was lucky. I was lucky because basically I studied a lot of stuff that had to do with sociology, anthropology, psychology, and economics. I like that. I finished my university. I was in Florence, and then I decided it's time to go away from Italy. And uh, I went to live in Mexico for three years. Ooh. And there I worked as an anthropologist with different tribes for uh, yeah, a little bit more than three years. I worked with the Mayas, I worked with the uh, Taromaras in the north and other tribes. And I was completely into Carlos Castaneda and uh, shamanism and magics and... Uh, psilocybine and the magic mushrooms and peyote and all that kind of stuff. And I learned a lot. I really learned a lot by being in the, in the field, by, by meeting with people that were uh, basically being destroyed as a culture, you know, was, was really, was really intense and was, uh, at times very painful, but on a, on a human level was incredibly enriching. And, uh, and so I love to be there, but my passion has always been India. And I had been, before going to Mexico, when I was still in Italy, I'd been traveling already to India, Indonesia, Bali, Thailand, a few times. So I decided in uh, to, after three years, I said, okay, enough being a professor. At that point, at that point, I was starting being a decent, not good, but decent photographer. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I know I had a friend which was a very good photographer. So mm -hmm. I, I had a good teacher and I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to move. I'm going to go to India. And I'm, actually I want to go to Bali and I applied for a, a a, a, a place to work in the university in Denpasar. Uh, and I arrived in Bali after a few months in India, and uh, Bali in the meantime had changed a lot. Yes. So I felt uh, this is not really where I want to be in this moment. 
transition culture in in cultures like that sometimes it can be very disruptive so it felt like this is not it's not the right moment for me to be here so i came back to italy came back to italy and i went to live in one of the most amazing magical place in italy which is called the amalfi coast which is on the south of napoli and uh, uh, i had a house in a small fisherman village and i lived there for uh, about six years and there i met my aikido teacher so i've been practicing already martial arts for a few years but all the tough stuff and uh, finally i got into aikido and uh, a sword so i met my aikido teacher and my sword teacher my Aikido teacher was an Italian carpenter, an incredibly sweet, powerful, beautiful man, which was who was living just behind my house, so it was perfect. <laughs> and the dojo was about, uh, you know, 50 meters from my house. <laughs> and, and then I met uh, my sword teacher, who was uh, a, a, a Japanese uh, uh, painter and mm. sculptor who was living in Rome. And... Uh, at Hideo Kobayashi, and he was another wonderful human being. So I was really blessed that I met exactly the people I needed to meet. And from a spiritual point of view, it was clear to me that a big part of my job, my work on myself at that time was about finding my roots and my center. I needed grounding because I was very good at going up, you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, going in the absolute, going in into the, the, the cosmos, but my feet were not really, really on this planet. And this village had no roads, only stairs. So I found myself, you know, to go to the beach, I had about 3,000 stairs to go down, 3,000 stairs to come up. <laughs> After one year, I had legs that were like trunks, like an elephant, you know. I was, I was so strong, I was so grounded, <laughs> that was like, okay, this is exactly where I need to be. So I was there for a few years, and in the meantime, uh, I had already come in touch through books and friends with uh, Osho, yes. that at that time was called Baguan. So uh, after a, a, a week-long training uh, with a sword, with a, a Japanese master in Rome, I simply realized that it was time for me to go and meet Osho. Yes. So uh, I went to America because at that time he was in Oregon, and uh, yeah, and the all new adventure started for me. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> oh my God, this, first of all, because I, 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 for the first time in my life, I really surrendered to someone See. who was not my lover, because I had already <laughs> done to a couple of women, but, <laughs> so, I really got, okay, I need help. Yeah. And here is a man who is speaking to my heart. And I don't need anything more. I don't need to agree, disagree. I don't need to even understand exactly what's going on. I just need to feel that my heart is touched in a way that has never been touched before. So I became a disciple. I, a sannyasin, and, uh, and this was in 1983, so it's, this year wow. is 40 years. That's when I was born. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. So I've been a sannyasin, now am the disciple. At, at, at this point, I wouldn't say even that I am a disciple, I am a devotee, yeah. <laughs> more than a disciple. And uh, 40 years, and I, I feel that is, there is something so precious in, uh, in all this. And, uh, and uh, 
And my name has been uh, has been Samar Panavikal, surrender and calm. It's has uh, been a, a a a lamp guiding me through through these forty years. What does it mean to surrender to to love, to life, the unknown, to the mystery, to death, to beauty? How 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 do I practice this consciously my day to day life? So this has been, uh, and also how can I do this quietly? Because I'm an action person, <laughs> which means without pushing myself. Yes. Because that's what I've been doing for the first 30 years in my life, maybe even a little bit longer, you know, to be really on the edge, on the edge, on the edge with politics, with revolution, with drugs, with uh, everything, with sex, with everything. So at some point, how can I take care of my heart? Yeah, that, that has been it. And in the same time, stay on the edge. And that's where what I'm doing now is actually fundamental. Yes. Because at the same time, just before meeting Bhagwan, one evening I was with a friend and uh, in Italy, and I heard myself telling her the most important thing is in my life is to find out who I am. Yes. And the moment that I said that, first of all, I was surprised myself to say it. <laughs> and second, I felt this is absolutely true. And from that moment, everything in my life has been naturally and spontaneously aligning it with this quest. Yeah. Who am I? Who is in? So then uh, it, I, I am in Pune in India from, uh, with, uh, with Osho from uh, 1987, and, uh, and I am teaching martial arts, and, uh, and I am uh, uh, teaching centering and grounding. And then at some point, uh, I meet uh, a woman that is leading a retreat, which is called Satori. Yes. And this woman, Ganga, uh, who is a really good friend of mine, uh, basically uh, invites me to participate to this, to this uh, retreat which is something that I really was waiting for because I knew that the retreat existed, but it was not happening yet. So I said, of course, I'm going to jump in, no problem, I'm ready. <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting for the last 20 years, <laughs> like, oh. give it to me. And uh, Satori is a, is a retreat where we, all, all the participants start with one question. Who am I? Or who is in? One or the other. And once that they go through this question, which means once you have a direct experience, not a concept, not an idea, not an imagination, but a direct experience of who you are yeah. and who, or who is in, then, so what you call the authentic self, yes. then you move to other questions. And my next question was, tell me what love is. So, and that's where my journey with this work happened. And this was about, I would say, 25 years ago. So since then, uh, me and Ganga, we have been often working together, which actually worked together once or twice a year. And then I've done a lot of work by myself. And, uh, and I do these retreats, which can be seven days, five days, or three days. And finally, last year, I wrote the book. Yeah. yeah. And the, which is Within, which is my book number five, I think, or something like that. But I was not ready yet to get into this, the most fundamental book for me to write. Because this is really my journey, and it's something that I really 
needed and wanted and longed to share with people, but how can I share from a place of uh, not knowing? Because this is the basic of uh, asking these questions. If I ask the question thinking that I know, I will not find any answer, but to what I already have in my, in my bag, you know, which is the past. That's true. But who is in and who am I is only here, in this moment. This is where I can have a revelation. So I was, was very a beautiful trip, a beautiful journey for me to really, how can I write from presence in not knowing? How can I write from this openness to the mystery rather than from knowledge? And I think I succeeded. I think I really succeeded. I got a lot of good feedback from people, from friends, from people that I don't know. And also, I I can feel it. I can feel it that I was really there. Your book. Every word. Your book is very easy to take in. There are books that I have read which make me feel even more complicated than I did in the beginning. But when I opened your book and I was going through and I got through to the middle, it was easy and I didn't even realize that I was halfway through. There are so many things that I wrote down, even on here, where that you talk about, which I'm going to talk to you about in this podcast. But when I had a chance to read your book, it was touching because it was very easy to understand. Good. And for me, that means a lot. Having a book that is easy to understand and can make me elevate to another level of understanding myself, what love is. I'm a big person about forgiveness. I practice a lot of Buddhism and and stuff within myself. So it means a lot to me to understand it even more from a different person's perspective. So for me, you've done a magnificent thing. Success is defined in so many different ways to so many different people. And you are correct by saying that you are successful in doing this because even me saying to you, I've read your book, I, I take something from everyone's book. But for you, I felt like I took a lot more because it was so easily to flow through. And energy is important yeah. to me. Really happy to hear that. So that's definitely something that I took from your book. So... In relation to that, I would love to ask you more about yourself in the sense of can you define, because you've been through so much, can you define who you are as a person, but also who do you see when you look in the mirror? But on the flip side of that question, has there ever been a time where you have looked in the mirror and not recognized the person staring back at you? How did you manage to find the energy, the quantity to, to manifest for you to become? the person who you want it to be? Mm, yes. Okay. Uh, there are different, different aspects to your questions. Yes, yeah? so. So, first of all, whoever I see in the mirror is not me. Whoever I see in the mirror is the projection of a particular image which I have been carrying and I still carry, carry inside since I was a small child. Yes. And that, of course, this image has been changing, but the, 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 the relationship to this and also the relationship to this inner image has been changing. But I know out of my own experience uh, at this point that I am not just an image. Exactly. The image is, is just what appears. And what appears is based also on my, my past, my, 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 my relationship with my feelings, my emotions, my, my body. You know? And, and uh, therefore, it is, uh, it is very partial. So when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't really get so much interested in what I'm seeing. I'm much more interested in who is seeing. Yes, thank you. Like, who is seeing this image? 
So the, the energy, because when I look at something, I, the, the attention tends to go out. But if I turn the attention from the, the going out towards the image, towards the who is seeing, then the energy turns towards the subject. And that's where and that's where I start again coming back and coming back and coming back. And this takes me to the to, to the other side of your question is like have I found have I found uh, something? No and yes. No in the sense that uh, everything that I find it's very temporary. It's uh -huh. impermanent. Uh, because everything that I find, in a way, is an object in my awareness, in my consciousness. So, and at the same time, yes, I found, and I keep finding, that there is a presence which is not an entity, which is not an object, which is uh, undefinable in terms of time and space and form and mm. content, which is pure awareness. And that's who I am. And, uh, and uh, this pure awareness is, is, what I, is who I am and is not mine, because awareness is not a personal phenomenon, it's a, it's a, it's a cosmic phenomenon. Is you, is, is every dog, is every cloud, is every tree, is everything. So in that sense, the beautiful thing is that I cannot say my awareness. I am awareness. Awareness is though embodied in me. So it has a particular form, a particular story, a particular way of manifesting itself. So in a way, I am a vehicle like you are, like everything is, of this uh, awareness, of this immense, undefinable field of consciousness. Yeah. So it's a yes and then no at the same time, you know? Because I, a, a, every moment that I go back into looking at this picture, at this image, and I go back into the self, it's completely new, it's completely fresh, because everything is changing all the time. That's true. And in the same time, it is as ancient as all the, all the universe. So I find myself into this uh, crossing of uh, time and space, the horizontal line, and eternity, the vertical line. And, uh, and I'm getting more and more and more acquainted and at ease with being in that point of intersection without choosing one or the other because that's that's the fundamental separation you know or spirit or matter no i want both i want to eat the cake and i want the cake you <laughs> want like... a big cake <laughs> yes you definitely want a big cake uh, let's talk about leading people to victory i find i find this a very important question the reason why when you lead a person to victory is like you are connecting them to find their purpose in life when you told me that there are people who have helped you in your life to do different things energy wise spiritually wise how do you believe that you have helped people and led them to victory in your own way to help them find their purpose in life. Okay, look, in a way, my, my work is actually very simple. It is. Because, yes, because, first of all, I just share myself, and I share myself from the place of not knowing and not, uh, so I don't have the truth, but I am an incarnation of truth. That's, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's who I am. But for me, the most important thing is that I help people to, to learn to ask questions. I like that. To question everything, you know, to find their own questions and to stop thinking that there is anybody else that can go anywhere else where they can find the answers, except in themselves. So it's really, my job is very easy because I, I keep basically telling people, well, what, 
what, what is your question in this moment? How can you ask yourself this and how does it feel? Does it feel right? Do you, do you want to change this question? And people say, well, what do you think? I say, what I think is irrelevant. It's what you think that matters. But what, what is relevant is what you experience, you know. It's like direct experience is not something that exists outside of you, exists only within you. Exactly. So the, the, my job is actually easy, very easy, because I don't, I don't have to give any answer. And even if I have to give, if I, even if I give an answer, I make very clear that this is my answer. It's not the truth. It's a relative truth. It has to do with me, yes. but it's not a truth that necessarily is valid for other people. So easy. And in the beginning, of course, for many people, it's difficult to renounce the idea that there is a savior somewhere outside. Yeah. But after a while, when they start tasting the sweetness of finding their own answers, the beauty of finding their own uh, intelligence and power and sensitivity, then something radically starts changing. And for me, that's, that's the most uh, precious moment when I see people blooming, you know, like, oh, yes, <laughs> in the garden again. <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> yes. I know that feeling. Let's talk yeah. about forgiveness. I think forgiveness is one of the best things that we can learn to master within ourselves and for other people. How do you believe forgiveness has helped you in your life? Okay, let me begin with the fact that I couldn't stand forgiveness. Mm, I like the honesty. In the beginning, for many, many years, forgiveness was a word that was not part of my vocabulary because I was, uh, I was going for the revolution. I was going for breaking down things. I was going for breaking down myself. I was, I was going for taking apart everything that I felt was uh, inhuman, uh, uh, disgusting, uh, uh, horrible. And in some moments, I would act exactly in the same way. So forgiveness was not in my, in my, so much in my book was more like revenge. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, also I'm a Sicilian, so okay. it's like we know we know something about vendetta, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and at the same time, something inside was longing for, was longing for peace, was longing for uh, contact, was longing for uh, uh, intimacy, and fundamentally intimacy with myself to begin with, I was lucky enough that uh, even though I was uh, uh, really barking a lot, my first, uh, the first woman I fell in love with, which was actually, I was 20 and she was 17, she was much wiser than me, definitely much wiser than me on a human level. And uh, from the very beginning, I had to choose between surrender to love or, or basically leave her. Because she was putting me in such places where I really had to face my, my mind, my resistance, my jealousy, and all this kind of stuff. And I loved her. So I decided, okay, I'm going to surrender to love. And little by little, something started landing. And also later on, another woman I was for actually a long time mm -hmm. uh, was really about, okay, why I keep pushing myself? Why I keep putting myself in places where there is danger, where I risk my life? What, what, what is that I'm trying to prove? 
and there I came in touch with my, for the first time probably, with my vulnerability. And that's where, that's where forgiveness started, because actually vulnerability was like, okay, can I, I didn't go immediately in forgiveness, it was more like, can I accept myself in my vulnerability? Can I honor my vulnerability? And, and, can, and therefore, forgiveness was a like kind of a, a outshoot of, of my vulnerability. You know, as, as vulnerability started kind of being growing inside and feeling more familiar, I felt more at ease with my heart uh, breaking down in some moments. Then, little by little, I started forgiving myself when I, when I was uh, weak when I was uh, confused, when I was uh, incapable, uh, when I was lazy, when I, when, I, when I was angry, when I was scared, you know, and, and uh, so acceptance and forgiveness, they started coming, coming together. Uh, but it, forgiveness for me was never an idea or an ideological choice, you know was or, or something that I particularly focused on. It just came by itself. It just came by itself as I started uh, integrating me, integrating uh, many aspects of my shadow, many aspects of my uh, misunderstandings. You know? and, and of course, the more I was doing with myself, the easier it was to do it with everybody else. That's true. <laughs> That's definitely true. Yeah. So, yes. So, still, forgiveness is, uh, is something that I don't particularly focus on because uh, I feel that there is no need. The need is more to integrate the shadow and in that integration forgiveness happens naturally spontaneously i don't, I don't need to even think about it that's true yeah that is so true what about peace because in the beginning you spoke a little bit about peace when was the well, last time you felt at peace with yourself well it's interesting because uh, uh one of the things that I teach is uh, uh, the essence work, yes. which, is, which is a map of uh, universal qualities, how they embody in, in, in individually. And uh, the black essence is the essence of peace and silence, and actually is my home. It's exactly where I live most of the time. And so peace is a very familiar feeling since I was very, very small. And I also remember how I lost it, how I lost the connection yeah. because I, I had to come in the world and, and perform and fight and uh, prove myself. But it never really, really, really left me, of course, because it's part of my being. So when I start uh, uh, in the in the in the journey with essence, which was like also thirty five years ago, uh, my teacher at the moment, which was a, an Arab man, Faisal Mukadam, immediately said, "Your home is the black, is the peace essence," and I said, "Yeah, absolutely, of course, I know that place." It's very familiar. The interesting thing is that peace is also the seat of power. Yes. So for me, I was focused on power and I found peace. <laughs> so how lucky am I? Well, you found both. And hopefully within that, you also found freedom, which you write about in your book also, is freedom. Sure. Freedom. Freedom, ah, freedom, freedom. Oh, I like that side. That was a good side. <laughs> yes, freedom, freedom. What to say about freedom? You know, freedom is uh, is the best. <laughs> and uh, 
okay, my my experience with freedom has a lot to do with the intersection of absolute freedom, which has to do with my being, yeah. and uh, there is nothing to say about it except that has always been here, will always be here, is who I am. Yeah. I am freedom. And the relative freedom, which is how my absolute freedom needs also, because I exist in a physical body, it has also to deal with restrictions. Yes. So the art of learning how to be free and not lose the, uh, the connection with my true nature, with, which is absolutely free, while being uh, honoring also the relative freedom that lives and deals with restrictions. And this, this is the art. This is basically the art of living. You know, how, how to put together personal, individual, absolute freedom and freedom within restrictions, because that, that's the we. That's where, where the I relates to the other. I that's see. where the I relates to the, the, the things. Something that really helped me a lot was when I worked with a particular question which I find fascinating, which is tell me what another is. Ooh. This is so powerful, so intense, so magical to see that there is no other. You know, that the other is me. Everything that exists is me. So then freedom within restriction is actually still freedom within me. <laughs> I like, like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, magical, magical. I work with this, it's called koan. No? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question which does not have an a, 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 a intellectual answer. I work with this koan for about, I would say, about a year and a half. Yeah. And, uh, and it was like, I still, you know, in some moments when I feel that there is even the, the slightest uh, smell of a possible conflict, I stop and say, wait a minute, what is another in this moment? Is it real that I am here and uh, Savia is there? Or are we in the same moment, in the same present, you know, just the same consciousness with just different forms? That's all it is. Yeah. Exactly. And how can I love and respect and honor and have fun with that? And you know, enjoy that rather than fight against it. Because that's what conflict is about. It's basically reinforcing separation, reinforcing conflict, and making ourselves, our life miserable. So, uh, do I, I want a miserable life? No. I think <laughs> sometimes we don't understand it. And that's why we try to fight against it. When things are complicated in our mind or our awareness and we don't understand them, we fight against them rather than embracing Absolutely. them. Absolutely. If we See, embrace that's why them, my, yeah, my, my first book was a book on the inner judge. Yes. Which is called Freedom to Be Yourself. Mm -hmm. Because at some point I realized that there was this amazing obstacle inside this psychosomatic presence, you know, of self-judgment and judgment of everything that was making life miserable. Because everything was like, oh, this is not good enough, this is too good, this is, should be different, this should be this way, this should not be in this. It was like, my God, am I, am I nuts that I spend all this time with this crap? So I really put a lot of, uh, of my energy in the beginning to really explore this inner judge, you know, Freudian superego, which is the similar concept. Yes. The, the Zen masters call it the barking dog. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did a lot of work. I still do a lot of work because we all have it. We all have to deal with it. There is not one personality who does not have... Uh, 
superego, except some borderline personalities like schizophrenics, for example. But otherwise, we all have these barking dogs inside that continuously, you know, is like, oh, this is not good. This is uh, this should be, and this should be like that. Oh, worry about this. Go, oh my God. (laughs) He's driving himself crazy. Oh, so uh, this is a been has been still uh, still is a big part also of my work. I work with people and uh, I usually do a lot of individual sessions with this and uh, uh, where, where we work with okay what what is how are you how are you judging yourself in this moment? Well, no, what do you get out of, of putting yourself into this uh, uh, level of madness, you know. I, can, can you can you recognize it? You know, can you can we do can we transform it? Can you do something about it? And most people are really well. First of all, everybody knows that they are judging themselves and judging everybody else. So nobody is in denial, and that's already a major step. Yes. Then, and also people realize, well, all this inner activity of self-inner dialogue makes me nuts, makes me crazy. So usually people are quite responsive to this, even though it's very, it's very challenging, you know, to work with the inner judge, because we are so identified with it. We think that is me. I am the one who is judging. I am the one who, has, who is put in pressure. No. I say, no, there is a mechanism. Yeah. It's automatic. Just start really recognizing the automatism, the robotic attitude, you know, and, and you will find this is not you. You are the one, and we go back to who is in, you are the one who is aware of the mechanism. The mechanism is an object. The superego is an object but you are the consciousness that is aware of it. And that's where people start going, "Uh uh-huh, okay, well, that's true. No, I don't need to be so hard with myself. I don't need to judge myself all the time. I don't need to feel unworthy. I don't need guilt. I don't need shame, all this kind of stuff, because I'm aware of it. So it's a everything starts coming together, you know, the work with Satori, the work with the judge, the work with essence, everything starts feeding each other. And that's what I love, you know. If there, you have worked with some really wise people in your life. If there was a quote that you felt represented you as a person, what quote would you choose? And why would you choose that particular quote? Well, I don't know if it's a quote or not. But I would say something like, you are all that you are. I like that. Nothing excluded. I like that. Ever. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, and because, you know, that, that when, when you recognize that you are all that you are, and that in being all that you are, you are completely unique, you inevitably recognize that everybody else is all that they are, and they are unique, and then life becomes a symphony of richness and abundance and uniqueness. Everybody is such a, a miracle. And it's, we are so, yeah, we are so unique. <laughs> like, what to say? <laughs> no, it's true. I think a lot of people in life find it hard to understand that, though. A lot of people, because of things that they may be going through, regardless if it's mental health or going through their own emotional, you know, connection with life, they might be finding it hard. Some people find it extremely hard to understand that. Well, you, you know, Savia, what I, what I see is that for a lot of people, it's very difficult yeah. because we arrive and we are born unique. Yes. But then through conditioning, what happens is that our uniqueness gets distorted into wanting to be special. There you go. So 
So then, wanting to be special has nothing to do with uniqueness. It has to do with a competition with somebody that can be more special than me or less special than me. So wanting to be special is, uh, is about uh, not recognizing that I am unique. Yeah. So I need to prove continuously that I'm special. So I'm constantly in this uh, hierarchical, competitive uh, efforting, yeah? trying to prove to myself and the others that I'm special. Uniqueness, you get completely out of, the, of, of that ladder. That's there true. is no ladder. Yeah. You are unique, period. Uniqueness, by definition, is incomparable. And that's where a big jump can, can, can be taken, when an individual recognizes, wait a minute, I, I don't have to prove that I'm special. Yes. I'm not a little child anymore. I don't need mama to love me and to uh, smile at me so that I can survive. I can be a, a woman, I can be a man, I can be, I can be creative, I can be an ad adventurous, and this is who I am. Then at that point, Uniqueness is absolutely obvious, but it takes a little bit of, uh, of, of uh, practice and work to take that jump from be, wanting to be special to recognizing I am unique, because it's really the jump from wanting approval from outside to the recognition that I am all that I am which you are the only one that can give it to yourself. That is true. That is abundantly so, true. Yeah. Like and it's that. wonderful when we can do that. I'm actually thinking about it now going, that is actually true. And I've never actually thought about it in that depth of a way before. So that's actually really true. It's like being in competition with yourself sometimes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, like the, I like the way you said yes. Yeah, well, I know that place very well. You know, I've been being in competition with myself. I've been hurting myself a lot when I was, you know, a, a teenager and then a young man because of that competition with myself. And I've been also hurting other people. Hopefully not too much, but, you know, hurting myself, yes, quite a lot. I think you're a completely different person now. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, you are. Absolutely. I always, I always, nobody else can see you apart from me because me and you are having a conversation, but it's not just about me listening to your words. It's also about me seeing your emotions through your words. And, in, yeah. and, and that means a lot to me every single time I interview someone. So thank you for expressing that in the way that you have because... I have the abundant pleasure of being able to see it. So it yes. means a lot to me. So I would love to. And I, I have the abundant pleasure to share them. <laughs> no, it's true. That is so true. <laughs> no, that is so true. My, I've only got two more questions for you, but my second to last question is, if okay. after you feel like you have done absolutely everything that you feel you have wanted to do in the world, what would you like your legacy to be in this world? You know, I never thought about that. And also because the word legacy is a tricky word. It is. It is, you know, the legacy is the legacy that inevitably comes through what I do. So comes through words, comes through limited media. Uh, what I share with with a lot of people around is is uh, is love, is love, is love and passion, and 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 the joy of being alive. Yes. That cannot be. That cannot be a legacy. You know that that's something that uh, uh, is already here, and the journey is for people to find their way. So the legacy belongs to what I do, and what I do is 
is something that might help them or not. That's not in my hands. Yeah. No, that's, that's in people's hands to see, okay, this word is actually helping me, this, this uh, meditation can help me, this uh, remembering can help me. But this is not in my hands. It is in the heads of in the hands of the divine, of mm. of, of life, of of existence. You know, my hands is to just offer something. This is what I can do. You know, and then uh, let life do it. <laughs> I like that. That sounds good to me. That's a good. That's yeah. a good motto of life. I think if everyone kind of had that level of understanding, they would find an abundance of happiness within first before it comes out so i love that my last question for you is where can everyone find you on all your social media platforms and if they would like to buy a copy of your book like i've had the privilege of reading where can they actually buy it from amazon right one word yeah the the book was launched on the first of december yes so now you find it on amazon barnes noble in in many in basically in a lot of bookstores at Watkins in uh, in London for sure, you know, and uh, uh, on Amazon because I had few people, few friends calling me yesterday, writing to me from India, from Germany, say go to Amazon, it's everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh man, I want to yeah. thank you so much for taking your time to come on the Us People podcast for showing your emotion for showing your honesty but most of all for thank you for just being who you are as a person and showing us that we can all evolve no matter how long it takes but enjoy the process of it so thank you so much I I, I am honoured that you invited me oh. and uh, and I am very happy that uh, we could see each other yes. that was one of my requests yes. I really wanted to see you, you know? and uh, and uh, because yeah contact also visual contact especially for a, a practicing pro photographer you <laughs> <laughs> and the next photographer me is beautiful you know, to have also that visual contact so thanks a lot to give me also the space to share myself ah oh, i'm more than happy to no thank you so much i really appreciate you i really really do guys i want to thank you so much for listening to the us people podcast and please remember you can subscribe and leave us a review on spotify itunes google play and any other platform that you prefer listening to please also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can also donate to the us people podcast by simply going to the savvy rocks website or typing in paypal.me forward slash us people podcast guys thank you so much for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please continue to be kind to I need a solution. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with her. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with confusion. Yeah, I'm done. I need a solution. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Gotta keep my energy and peace of mind. I protect my energy and peace of mind. Gotta keep my energy and peace of mind. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. People say that having a peace of mind is trying to find a consistency of calmness within ourselves to crave for a clarity that drives us through our emotional journey of life to never let a person's judgment manifest into a fear inside of us learning to believe in our ability to shine through the darkest moments and tunnels when we cannot see the light patience being our light for forgiveness and strength to believe in our destiny if you want real peace of mind one needs to stop fighting their inner thoughts and embrace them with love because love is the most amazing and beautiful strength that we have to conquer our peace of mind make your thoughts impact a nation by keeping them true and honest 
especially to yourself, but make your peace of mind protect you when you don't have strength to embrace anything else. Find your peace of mind by listening to your heart. Peace of mind, gotta keep my energy in peace of mind. I protect my energy. Oh, I'm very happy, and uh, and uh, actually, I really appreciate your. Uh, your presence and also the fact that you were you were willing to ask me for uh, a delay without any problem, which for me was not, you know, that was actually really good. Because it's, you know, us people is us humans. <laughs> Peace of mind.